Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. There's something I want to clear up with the, with the Minnesota reference. Um, I'm clearly going to break fourth wall, and I apologize, but this is something I have to, I have to say. It. I'm sorry, guys, but um, I was produced and asked to ask you to go to Minnesota. I should have never have asked you that. What? I, did, I should have said no. That is not true. It's not true. Wait, what? That is the most <laughs> Just... <laughs> that really with someone's emotions. Oh my God, Luke. I mean, that is not true. of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry how are we all hope we're well it's about to get dark my apologies um before we get into a Duggar update I just want to talk about a couple of podcasts that I was on this week first of all you can find me on you guys lady you remember this an incredible podcast one of my favorites it's just like so good it's so well done if you guys are familiar with um you must remember this it's pretty much that in the same style of that but it's all about like the early 2000s pop culture so fun Dara's incredible. She's doing great work so check it out she is doing a series now on the girls next door and we did a recap of their midsummer nights party episode so much fun. So check it out. Secondly, you guys can find me on Feathers in My Hair. I recapped with Liz the premiere episode of Teen Mom 2. An incredible shit show. I love talking about Teen Mom, but nobody does it better than Liz. So if you want to check out 
us talking about, you know, Ashley getting back together with, together with Barr and pretending like this is a, a sound decision that she should be making. Um, you know, Leah, Leah's Instagram in particular was a fun conversation that we had. Check it out. Feathers in my hair. Always a good time to talk to Liz. Um, okay. So I obviously am going to prepare you guys because I will be talking. I'll be giving like a little bit of a Duggar update. I know if you guys follow me on social media, I said do not look into the details of it. I feel like honestly, um, there were a lot of articles that were pretty irresponsible in terms of not giving excuse me, trigger warnings and content warnings in terms of what was found. Unfortunately, I saw a lot. It really was like deeply, deeply upsetting information. And yeah, I'm just going to say it. Like, I feel like a lot of these articles were not um, uh, doing their due diligence in terms of giving the proper warnings about what was found. I am not going to do that. I'm purely going to be talking about the day that Homeland Security came to the uh, car dealership that they found the material on. I'm not going to be talking about what was found. I'm not going to be doing any of that. So I'm looking back at my notes and I'm like, I don't really know if what I'm about to say would be um, uh, warrant, like if, if a, a content or trigger warning would be warranted. I mean, if you don't want to hear about Josh Duggar at all, there you go. But this is purely about the investigation and Josh, not what Josh downloaded onto his computers. So there's your warning if you need it. And with that, I will tell you what happened. All right. So here we go. May of 2019, there was an investigation of a program that had been pinged to um, investigators that was pinging, uh, picking up on child sex abuse image activity happening in Northwest Arkansas. So a few months later in October of 2019, they are able to track the ISB directly to an account that was owned by Josh. A warrant was executed in November of 2019 and they, for the car lot that he um, owned and an investigation was placed. Homeland Security shows up. So the police show up to the car lot that Josh owns. No guns are drawn. They tell him like vaguely that there's an investigation underway. They have to pick up electronics. Two computers were confiscated. Josh pulls out a phone and says, can I call my lawyer? And they say, no, actually your phone will be part of the investigation. And they confiscate it at that point. There were other people on that car lot. They went home, but Josh decided to stay for the entire time. Um, and at that point, they put him in the back of a like cop car or investigator car. And the first thing he asks is verbatim, what is this about? Has anyone been downloading child pornography? Now, keep in mind, he had no idea what the investigation is about. The people that came onto that lot, Homeland Security, gave him no details. So he told on himself of all the things that could possibly be happening. Why would you assume that somebody had downloaded 
images of child sex abuse onto your computer. It's also worth mentioning that the other two people that worked on the car lot were his brothers. I think it was um, Jedediah and also Josiah. So by saying that, it's almost implicating the fact that somebody had, your brothers, his brothers, had done something on computers that he owned outright. He continues to tell him on himself by saying that he knows that he's got BitTorrent on his computer and he also has something called like a TOR or maybe Tor um, access onto his computer. Tor, for those of you guys who, who don't know, is commonly used to access the dark web. Now, I personally not access the dark web, but what I do know about the dark web is that nothing good is accessed on the dark web. It's typically used... Mostly by people who are pedophiles, people who want to get drugs. I mean, I've truly never heard of anything, anybody going through the effort of being on the dark web, which is like a great effort of like having to build up walls and shit on your computer. Like, I don't really even know the technicality. What I basically, I know it's a lot of effort to find a lot of bad shit. Illegal shit. So this nasty little dumbass continues to tell on himself. The investigators say, you know, do you have any reason to suspect or do you think that somebody else or anybody at all may have been accessing images of child sex abuse on the computer? And he says, you know, basically I plead the fifth. Terrible. So they got him. You know, I've been saying... And I think we all know that like when the feds catch you in something, it's because they have just like a CVS length amount of receipts on you. And the the likelihood of you getting off on the charges that are being put against you are uh, slim to none. Like I think it's in the less than 5% of all federal cases. Um, another thing, shout out to you, my friend Maya says you know, when you're in a situation in which you're being charged by the feds, you're more likely to get a better deal if you just plead guilty, which is not what Josh has done. He's pled not guilty. So that means that he's going to go through the whole trial and that means they're going to nail him big time. And I can't wait for that to happen because he's a sick little fuck and he's ugly. Okay. So here's where we take a turn for the Christian, right? So um, they admitted during the course of this um, bond hearing that they had interviewed several, several family members and friends that all agreed that Josh has like a addictive personality when it comes to porn. This is something that he's been dealing with. This is something that he has dealt with. I'm assuming this is something that even after the 2015 allegations of abuse and, and against the sisters and also the um, Ashley Madison scandal, which he um, said, you know, I have a sex addiction. I have a porn addiction. Um, even in that time from 2015 to now, currently they're saying they all agree that he's been having this porn addiction, right? So here's what happens. So, there's a thing in like the Christian community. And this is not something that I was aware of. You guys, I was talking to my mom about this, like not that long ago. And you would be shocked. Like the things 
that the fact that she knew about Covenant Eyes, this program, and I had no idea was like a true like um, Freaky Friday situation in terms of the internet, right? So Covenant Eyes, for those of you who don't know, is a software program in which you, it's like a software accountability program, right? So you put this on your devices, your phone, your laptops, what have you. And then you have an accountability person. So that gives a person access to every internet, every corner of the internet that you access. What Josh did was created a Linux partition, which he could go on his computer and he could do his little, you know, um, prayer warrior shit and like his like Christ-like behavior on this side of the computer. But on the other side of com- the computer, he could do all his like sick, depraved, freaky shit, right? So Anna, who was his um, accountability person, his wife could not access. She would never be able to see all of the other nasty things that he was looking up. So it goes from dumb to dumber, y'all. So... The passwords that he was using to look up all his nasty shit were the same passwords that he was using for his everyday stuff, you know, like your email accounts, your blah, blah, blahs, that all those accounts they had, and they said in court that like, I think his date, his year of birth is 1988, and he uses 1988, let's say, as the end of his passwords, right? So he was using that 1988, like blah, 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 1988 for the nasty shit and also like his bank accounts, his emails, his like normal stuff, right? Here's what really pissed me off. So they have like down basically to the minute or a very specific time frame of when he was accessing these images of child sex abuse at the same time or around the same time, let's say within a five to 10 minute period. And I'm more inclined to say a five minute period that he was texting his family group chat to like you know prayer warriors assemble um there was a guy who got into a car accident near the uh, the the parking lot that i own or the um car dealership that i own um if you guys could all just like put your prayers up for him and at the same time he's looking up these images of child sex abuse like i could you just not want to bash your head through a fucking wall He's texting Anna, oh, I'll be late. Things were happening at work. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to reschedule this. I'm going to have to do it in the afternoon ne- tomorrow. And, um, you know, I'll be late home from work, you know, uh, leave the tater tot salad out on a plate for me and I'll heat it up when I get home. And at the same time, he's doing all of these horrific things. The only thing I'm going to say about what they found is that they have agents that are specifically assigned to look up these predators and these pedophiles and to figure out like what exactly these images they're uh, accessing are. The only thing I'm going to say is that the agent who was tasked with looking up Josh's um, sick shit that he was looking up said that it was one of the top five worst things that he had ever seen. And he had been working at the time of the investigation for 10 years. And the stuff that Josh was looking at was in seared in his mind as the top five worst. Can you imagine? Don't imagine, but can you imagine? 
Don't imagine. But can you imagine? Ugh. So here's the thing. Um, Josh, before his bond hearing, his lawyers had issued a statement or they had, you know, entered into court all of these reasons why Josh should be bailed out, right? A lot of, here are several reasons. Like, first of all, you know, they claim that he had been cooperating with the investigation the entire time and that he knew what the investigation was about. Not entirely true. I think that he assumed what the investigation was about and was being like Joshy good boy, right? Um, They also claim that he is a well-known figure, a public figure. And so because of that, he's not a flight risk because he would be very easily recognizable, um, that he needed to take care of his pregnant wife. (laughs) Like the, the audacity to, to quote Ramona Singer, the audacity to think that you are getting charged with what you're being charged with and that peop- that you want the public to believe or at least the courts to believe that you were like an active parent when the things that you were looking up pretty much align with the ages of your children. You sick motherfucker. So here we go. Okay. Um, what else can I talk about that? I mean, I think I'm just like completely disgusted. The fact that Anna was the one who had to drive him to the police station and they tried to use the fact that like he self-surrendered as like, um, cause for, you know, him to get out on bond. Trash, trash. They said that like Anna took him because they didn't want all those like litter of children that they have, um, having the agents and police show up at the home, right? Okay. Fair to the children, fucked up of Anna, triply fucked up of Josh Duggar. I would have told you, listen, you little nasty bitch. Why don't you get your steps in? You ugly motherfucker. Okay. Um, you guys, he got bond. (laughs) He is, I mean, not free. He's nobody's version of free, but he's not in jail. And I think that's pretty fucked up. I think he should have been in jail from the time he was self-surrendered until the time of his court, until the time they take him to jail after charging him as guilty for all the awful things he did. He tried to delete several hundred, a couple hundred images. Um, They found it in an unallocated folder. So they found him on that, but he still had other images on his computer, just active, active images that they saw that he had accessed multiple times, multiple times. Okay. Um, so he gets bond. Here are the conditions of his bond. They're as follows. So first of all, Josh didn't have to post any sort of bail, no money that was put up. Um, you know, despite all of the accusations against him. So, um, he wanted to, like I said before, be released back to his home. Um, the reason why he cannot, even though he has technically unrestricted, but supervised by Anna or supervised by an adult access to his own children. The reason why he can't go home is because, those children live on the Duggar family property, which have other minors. So he can't be in, 
the presence of any minors, no, none of his younger siblings, no nieces, no nephews, nothing like that. What the, I was confused about is that they do allow him to go to church and um, children go to church, right? <laughs> so I'm confusion about that. Um, so he was having to live with a third party supervisor. This was a couple that are family friends with Jim Bob. So Jim Bob spoke to the husband. I thought this was really fucked up. Jim Bob spoke to the husband and basically convinced him to have their dirty son living in their house. And he agreed. So the courts obviously have to interview the people who are going to be living in the home, right? So it seems like the husband agreed to um, having Josh stay at their home. I'm positive there was money exchanged from Duggar to this husband for that. Um, apparently this is a family that has only known uh, the Duggars for a few years. It's like, you know, a relatively new friendship relationship happening between the Duggar and this family. Right. So um, the wife, they interviewed the wife and she's like, basically my husband agreed to this, like, you know, headship, hardship shit like my husband agreed to this and because he's the leader of the the home I'm going to agree to it too not really because she felt good about it like the courts asked her do you really know Josh they said they had never really met him they don't have like a personal relationship with him she said she didn't really know what he was doing but she had like a vague idea and she basically was forced to agree to live with him. What makes it worse is that the husband goes to work and she does not. So she's the one who's going to be stuck with him by herself during the day, every work day while her husband goes off to work. Even worse is that they have a daughter, an adult daughter who lives at the home and she's a piano teacher and teaches piano at the home. She teaches some of her clients are minors. And so now this daughter has to adjust her life and her job to teach um, these children in a different venue because they can't be there on the property with Josh. Her life has to change because of this dude who she's not even friends with and doesn't even really know. So, the wife and the daughter are now stuck at home with him during the workday all day long. I think they said like 8.30 to 10 to 4.30 or 10.30 to 4.30, six hours or eight hours. I don't care. Any hours, any second of my day would be too long to be with him by myself because I'm boxing you. I'm putting hands on you right now. I'm putting my covenant eyes, my covenant eyes are side-eyeing the fuck out of you. And I'm just going to have to beat your ass, you know, like on site. And like, I know that I always talk about beating people's ass and like, that's violent. And it's probably not like a proper thing to do. You guys, I have never hit anybody. I don't have the upper arm strength. However, all of the force and anger in my being in all five feet of me, would just be like, I'm just going to have to beat your ass because you're sick. You're sick, dude. And I don't want to be around you. He would be much better off in jail, honestly. And I know how like inmates treat um, uh, fellow inmates like him. We all know that you can be a murderer. 
and you're still higher ranking in terms of like morality than somebody like Josh who does what he does. I would just have to, we would just have to fight, you know? We would just have to fight. I would, you know, just be walking around the house with a cast iron pan being like, oops, upside your head. Sorry. Maybe you shouldn't have been a pedophile. Maybe you should have thought about that, sicko. So this husband that he's going to be living with is like a pastor who apparently, you know, counsels inmates. And he said that he felt like it was God's plan for him to um, counsel Josh. Okay, well, what about your wife's plan? What is God's plan for your daughter? Because it seems like she has a pretty good musical talent if she's able to teach other people. But now she has to find somewhere else to teach. So what about that plan? What about that? In addition to Josh's stipulations, he's not allowed to have internet access of any kind. They interviewed the family and said that all of their, you know, their phones and stuff are password protected. They're not going to give him the password. The uh, judge said, hey... Um, wife, since you're the one who's going to be around him most of the time, just so you know, um, you're supposed to report directly to the courts before you report to your husband, to Jim Bob, to Michelle, um, the church, you're going straight to us. If you see anything happening with Josh, you go straight to us. Don't even talk to your husband, report it straight to the courts. And I hope that there is some sort of, um, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? I, I hope there's like some sort of penalty if she does not do that, because everybody in this situation needs to be incentivized, even though I think she's pretty much a victim to this whole situation because she's made it clear that like, I don't really want to be around him. You know, like these types of people don't really hang out with men that they're not related to by themselves anyway much less somebody like Josh. So she, if anything happens, and I feel like it will, she's to report to them. They also had firearms in the home that they had to find another place with because he can't live with firearms. Um, he can't view pornography of any kind. He can't use um, alcohol in excess. If he were to have a medical marijuana card, he can't access that. He's not allowed to use um, weed. Um, and he basically is, uh, you know, um, limited to three counties within Arkansas that he can be in unless he gets advanced permission to go out. He also has to surrender his passport so he can't leave the country anyway. Josh is also not allowed to break any kind of law if he does like a state law, local, federal, um, while he's out on bail, he could get an additional 10 years on top of the 40 that he could be facing if he's, um, guilty for the charges that he already has. Um, is that it? I think that's it. Like I said, the trial set for July 6th, there's a pretrial July 1st. I'm 50-50 on whether or not we're going to be getting any updates between now and then. Um, I kind of feel like Josh is an ir well, I definitely feel like Josh is an irredeemable person. I feel like he's clearly a repeat offender. It would not surprise me if he continued to get in trouble for something, if they caught him for anything at all between May and early July. So, <sighs> rotten hell, you miserable, sick little bastard. With that, Let's move on with the show. 
We have a big decision to make coming up about whether to keep filming future seasons of our show because our contract is up. And it's definitely a hard decision to make. I mean, it is really scary, like a big change. For me, I'm such a creature of habit. So change is scary. I'm not good with change. What's your answer on this? I definitely think that it's time. Courtney thought it was time three years ago. You know, I think, I think change is scary. I think it's like everyone wishes that it could be less. Do I think we all need a break sometimes? Yeah, but I don't know if that necessarily means like to stop. There's no easy way to say this, except just to say it, because we love you guys all so much. But we just wanted to tell you in person that we won't be going forward with filming the show anymore. I hope you guys feel like respected and appreciated because even if we don't say it, like I think of you guys as my second family and, and I know we're all really, really grateful and when it's happy, it's happy, but when people are there for you, when life sucks, that's what matters. I'm Courtney. not a big talker, but I'm so <laughs> grateful also for everything and for all the experiences. And I just want you guys to know like how much we really appreciate you guys, each and every one of you. Hop in the car with Faye Resnick and Kyle Richards. Let's head on into the Kardashian corner, shall we? An actual good episode. We're at episode seven in the final season. <laughs> and this one I could say is a solid, solidly good episode from beginning to end. That's sad. Um, the intro. I want to talk about just very quickly on the intro because my eyes spied. So the very beginning of the episode is they're, the family having a surprise um, baby shower for one of their executive producers, Amanda, who was expecting. And the only thing that I really want to talk about this is the fact that, like, clearly Black China is still feeling some type of way about Rob and China not being uh, given a second season, despite the fact that they broke up before they could even have a second season filmed. Anyway, she's clearly still upset because I looked in the background and I'm like, wow, who is that child whose face is blurred out? And then I said, oh, that's Dream. Okay, moving on. So this episode was really all about the decision to end the show and everybody's reaction to it, all the conversations. Everybody was there at some point, even Tristan. Not Kylie. Not Kylie, but Tristan. Um, so I love this. I love this. Kim says... We're at the end of our contract. We have a few days to decide if we're going to continue or not. And so Kim, Courtney, Chloe, and Chris all have a conversation on whether or not to continue. Of course, they can't have this conversation like the way they would have any other conversation on the show because they don't want the crew to know. So they have to film all this on their iPhones. And Courtney declares, you know, I'm newly able to make a decision very quickly <laughs> congrats Courtney and her decision is to leave she says actually I think we should have ended the show a couple seasons ago or a couple years ago but if we're gonna do it do it now now we all know that Courtney who I've been calling her Courtney two times wants to leave the show because she is threatened officially two times publicly in magazines all of that, that she is quitting the show. Did a whole photo shoot about how she was quitting the show and moving on to different things. And yet here she is still. Okay. Um, so 
Chloe basically admits that she was the only one who was on the fence about leaving and that she went into this situation thinking that they were going to have like an actual conversation when in the reality they had everybody had made the decision to leave and Chloe was just like well I guess majority rules so then we have the big scene that they've been teasing for a while now months now of Courtney Chloe Kim and Chris in the backyard the crew is all standing you know socially distanced and responsible away from them and each other and they tell the crew we've decided to end the show so everybody's doing these sweeping 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 pronouncements chris is crying ouch um you know saying very kind things Chloe does this whole montage of what the family has or the crew has been like a second family to her and how they were there for her when she went to um, Dallas because Lamar had gotten traded to the Mavericks and how she was alone one Christmas and one of the crew members stayed with her to be with her so she wasn't alone. Kim is like, I want to thank you guys so much for you know, taking time away from your own families to spend time and dedicate to our family. Courtney, um, I'm not really much of a talker, but I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm grateful. Thanks, Court. Um, you guys, we all know that the crew notoriously hates Courtney, right? Because they think she's just like an absolute monster. They all hate her. And they all think she's a bitch. So you think she would have been a little bit nicer about having all these people lose their jobs after 20 seasons, but I guess she's just living up to all the rumors about her. Anyway, um, then we see Kim, and this is so funny, Kim and her fake baby hairs get on FaceTime with Food God, God, I hate that I have to call him that, get on with Food God about how, you know, we have decided to end the show, and he's like, what? No, that's terrible, that's like pop culture sadness <laughs> what is happening in that i mean <laughs> if the for, for the first time i have to say like i'm thinking of what is going on in that man's mind but really the egg is on my face about that one because the the man legally changed his name to food god and only now am i asking what's wrong with him <laughs> that's on me and i have to admit that um chloe's still upset to the surprise of really nobody, nobody should be surprised at this because we all know how hard it is for her to let go of things. Anyway, she encourages Chris to go to Palm Springs with her girlfriends and her martinis to unwind. So she does that. More on that later. Um, there was a short scene of Courtney telling Scott that she's, you know, I've been seeing a lot of memes suggesting, of people suggesting that I was the reason why the show ended. But, you know, it, it's just like, it's just a joke. But, like, people have been saying that. And it's like, well, girl, nobody thought that you were the reason why the show ended. Like, nobody on this planet thinks that you (laughs) would be the reason why Kim Kardashian West Kardashian and Khloe Kardashian Odom Kardashian um, would stop a bag because of you, girl. If they were going to do that... They would have done that two years ago, the first time you said 
you didn't want to be on the show, but they didn't, okay? So I know that you're saying is a joke, but I also need you to know that that wasn't serious. Not any, not one person thought that was serious. Anyway, um, so Chris and Cor- uh, Corey go to Palm Springs with one Faye Resnick, the morally corrupt, and Kyle Richards. So Chris starts getting a little bit emotional about the end. I love this. Shout out to you, Lily. I know that you tweeted me and asked me, like, you wanted to know my thoughts on this. It's particularly the Kyle and, and Faye Resnick of it all. Fascinating fascinating because Faye Resnick who is seems to have taken all the turquoise in Arizona and put it into some jewelry and she's talking about how you know you guys are have given us so much the family has given us so much why would you end the show question mark and then Corey is like you guys my queen my sweet little baby from La Jolla is really having a tough time with the decision to end the show. <laughs> Kyle Richards. This is why it was fascinating to see a Kyle Richards who, whether we want to say this or not, is the de facto queen of Beverly Hills. If for no other reason than she's the OG, right? To see her on another show that is not hers. Amazing. Amazing. Of her not being on her own turf. She could not give a single flying fuck <laughs> about Chris ending the show. And not only does she like not care, because we're always seeing Kyle crying and having all these emotions and doing that, like that, um, you know, the whole family has that voice that gravelly voice and we know what Kyle sounds like when she's crying and when she's upset right girl she's like yeah I get it like I totally understand like the fam- the producers are like your family and like I get that but like you'll be fine girl like like couldn't even muster up like and listen I know there's a lot of botulinum happening in that face but it just felt like even she could have like sounded like she cared <laughs> she did not give a fuck <laughs> Chris was crying. Faye Resnick's jewelry is shaking all around. And she's like, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> oh, but then um, everything changed when she got into those pajamas and she could do a split down the hallway, didn't it? Girl. Girl. Kill me. So Kim and Chloe end up talking to Caitlin about the show. And then um, Kim FaceTimes Caitlin and says, Oh, Chloe's here too. <laughs> Caitlin says <laughs> to Chloe, I still, you, I still, I see you still got those big hoops, you bitch. <laughs> now listen, it's fuck Caitlin forever, but that was funny. And also I do think that for the show's sake, it is important that they did give a little attention to Caitlin because Caitlin was really like, a big draw to them being on the show. Like without her fame, I don't really know if they would have gotten the show. You know, not, not many people know that. Not many people know that. Um, that was really it. I mean, Scott said that he really doesn't want to end the show. 
Kendall says, you know, it's the show's been on for most of her life. And while she's going to miss it a lot, she really enjoys and prefers a very private life. So, you know, it's kind of bittersweet for her. And again, uh, we don't see any Kylie or Rob. Tristan had to chime in and say the show's been on since he's been in middle school, which is, you know, a thing. Um, that was it. That was it. Okay. Oh, there was one moment where, um, I think Jonathan asked Kim if, uh, or what Kanye's feelings on it were. And she was, you know, had to pretend like they had even had a conversation and she was like, oh, you know, he said that, you know, just whatever makes me happy. Like, girl, no, he didn't. <laughs> Probably didn't say anything because apparently you guys hadn't been speaking in months, but whatever. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Next. So was your decision to have sex with Des in Kyle and Amanda's bathroom driven by passion or spite? I think that passion and spite is a thin line. Are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come I on, no, that's not. So stupid. I'm very passionate. And You're spiteful. Very pa- yeah, but there is a difference. They have the master bathroom that's, like, gorgeous, and it was super disrespectful looking back at it, and we were just being stupid. It was Des respectful. It was disrespectful. So here's the thing. If you came up to me and you told me that, like, you guys, like, did whatever in our bathroom, I would have been like, oh, come on, Hannah, that's gross. But what you decided to do was keep it a secret, laugh about it behind my back, and then ask people who I'm also friends with to keep it a secret from me. That's what's disrespectful. I, I hoped that you guys wouldn't know and then you wouldn't get mad. <laughs> what? You, we wouldn't know? Our show has surveillance, Hannah. You knew we would get mad about it. You did it intentionally with the purpose to hurt All right, let's get into Reunion Delusions Part 2. I would advise you to take, like, an Advil if you need to, do some transcendental meditation. Um, The bullshit train is pulling into the station, and it's about to take an express route into Hannah's mouth. My God. I have so much to say, and this is like the first time I've talked about Summer House all by myself in a while, so I hope you guys enjoy it as much as all the incredible guests that I've had. Like, I've really had, like, banger after banger, just, like, top-tier people to talk about this with, so I hope you're not disappointed that it's just me. (laughs) So, with that, with me, um, you know, trying to pity you into continuing to listen to this, Let's talk about part two of the Summer House reunion. Do we think that this should have maybe been three parts? I don't know. I feel like there was so much that we got of like Handa, Handa, Amanda, no, Amanda versus Hannah, and Hannah versus Kyle, Hannah versus Luke, Hannah versus Danielle. And really there wasn't a whole lot of storyline, which I know makes a case for a lot of people that Hannah should stay. And with that, I say, no, thank you. Absolutely not. Um, I think that this show is perfectly good on its own. I feel like we could get rid of Hannah and Sierra and probably Paige really easily. And it really wouldn't be we wouldn't really be missing anything um like I said last week I would like to have like maybe another man or two in the house I would even be totally fine with you know single page being back in the house I I want 
I want one girl and I think maybe two guys. And I think I, w- I think that would be a good fit. Um, with that, we have to talk about the rumors, right? The rumor that I helped spread. And so now I have to like talk about it, right? <laughs> so I saw on a an Instagram account called the Bold, Bold and the Bravo that there were rumors swirling that perhaps um, Brielle might be entering into the summer house. Yeah, that's right. Brielle Bierman child of Kim Zolciak Bierman, um, a family who just announced that their, you know, their contract is up. <laughs> a very um, Jax Taylor-like announcement of, you know, we're we're done with the Bravo family, aka our asses got canceled. Um, there has been announcements that, you know, they're doing a show called The Bierman Bunch and, you know, we'll be on TV very soon and just watch out, watch this space, whatever. I mean, clearly it's, they didn't want to continue on with the show, bravo. Um, Obviously, Kim does. They're not going to be able to keep the name of Don't Be Tardy. And so now they're repackaging the same old bullshit for some other network. Who cares? Great. See you later. Bye. My problem is that this account, and not to call them out like I have beef with them, but this, I'm just reporting what I saw. Um, This account came out with uh, rumors that Brielle was going to maybe enter the summer house and, you know, it's time for her to go to a show of people who are closer to her age and that she and Sierra are friends. So that would be such a good, you know, a good way of her getting in. No. No, thank you. The world said, absolutely not. <laughs> not on my watch, Ianla Van Zandt. Um, this would be a horrible move. This would be <sighs> truly a disaster. Like, the only good thing that I can imagine coming out of it is that Brielle enters the house, Lindsay just decimates her with one side eye and then she like you know just eviscerates and evaporates into the air that's the only good outcome that could come out of this um thank you to the girls over at the reality is pod who tagged Lindsay in this post and Lindsay was like uh i don't know where these people get this shit from <laughs> no it's not happening so thank you Prayer Warriors, you guys did your due diligence, and we've been freed from the bondage of the Zodiac Beer Can clan on Bravo. You know, go to USA or we or whatever. Zeus. I don't know. Quibi. I know Quibi doesn't even exist, but, you know, maybe that's a network that you should consider going to. Um, Okay, let me talk about the reunion now. So we start off the second part, as we saw Last week, the end where Kyle just walks off stage in a fit of frustration at Hannah and Lindsay's like, okay, let him take a lap. (laughs) So Andy decides to call a five minute break. Hannah turns to Paige and says, am I being crazy? He's just so mean. And then Hannah starts fake crying again and Paige whispers at her to pull it together and Sierra says, Do not let them see you crack. Excuse me? (laughs) Hannah has been trying to fake cry um, about, I would say, in a range from like 
37 to 85 times in part one, and now is going to be the time where you tell them not to let them see you crack, uh, girl, this is the end of Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's men could never get Hannah back again. It's weird. I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say that she cracked. Because frankly, Nary, N-A-R-Y, Nary a tear came off out of that, you know, those weird eyes down to her oily face. Okay? Not once. Not one time. In all the times that she tried to cry, not in part one. And not at any point in part two. And I just think that for all the times she pretended to cry, you would think that at one point the cameras would have caught, you know, the glimmer of a tear moving down her cheek, uh, her wiping her eyes, something. Never happened, y'all. Did not happen once. It's chilling. Chilling. That she weaponizes her tears that way it's horrible and she really needs to get that shit in line before she does it to the wrong person aka a person of color because that shit's gonna go from like a disaster to like really not cute really not cute very quickly and i I just i i can't i can't turning to page and say am i being crazy yeah Yeah, you are. If only Paige would um, share any of her opinions with the class, we could maybe nip this in the bud. Okay? Um, So Lindsay goes to get Kyle, and she finds him drinking straight out of a bottle of rosé. I feel you, dude. And she tells him he has to control his anger. And she says, you know, you have to learn how to walk away in your mind and not physically walk away. Just breathe through it. Lindsay, I don't know if she's, like, missed her calling as some sort of, you know, uh, like, uh, motivational speaker, leader of a cult, um, therapist, like, something about her. She just has it. She has it. You know what I mean? And I, she's clearly very been like very therapized herself and she's also taken it in and she's using what she's learned, the tools that she's learned on other people. And you love to see it, guys. I love to see it. She's just a good woman. She really is. And I'm like, I just hope that we don't find out anything bad about her (laughs) in the future. But for now, I'm, I'm a hub. I'm a hub house. I'm a hub in the hub house, okay? And I'm loving it here. And I'm comfortable and I have no intention of leaving as of now. So Carl on stage asks Amanda how she's feeling. And she's like, you know what? I'm fine with Kyle walking away because he needs to chill out in order to make his point. Fair. So Kyle comes back on stage. Andy asks if he's okay. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry. Just, you know, like, I know we have a lot to talk about. But listen, there are particular topics that were like, Something like that particular topic, the topic of um, Hannah telling every podcast, except for mine, um, in the world that she, that Kyle had said, like, you would be nothing without me and you would have nothing without me. That particular topic is like something I just needed to walk away from because it was so far from the truth. And I get that. Like, I totally understood, just like, I'm clearly not getting through to you. You're not going to let this go. You're 
getting to the core of me. So before I like flip the fuck out, I got to walk away. I have to walk away because that's the only thing that I can do outside of like having a stroke and like having one of my, the veins on the side of my neck just pop, just burst, <laughs> just burst right on the stage. So I got to walk away. I get it. So then we go to Carl's clip package and it shows the first four summers of him being Hampton's biggest fuck boy of him making out of him having a watermelon smashed outside of his door by you know, one of the workuses. It really doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, to his evolution of the man he is today, a.k.a. my future husband. Now, you guys know that, like, I'm extremely horny for Carl Radke. This is not a joke. I mean, it's like 85% serious and 15% not, but like, I understand you guys that like, I don't, not only do I not have any chance with this man, this delicious tall man, we live in the same area. <laughs> and I tell you right now that if I ever see Carl Radke in these streets, like I will respect him by running in the opposite direction. Like I'm not going to play myself like that, you guys. I can't do it. I know that I have painted myself into a corner with the things that I've said about this podcast, like, or about him on this podcast. I would be, I can never meet him. I, I can't. <laughs> but he is my husband. And I have to tell you, like, my first reaction to the possibility of Brielle coming into the summer house was like, smash the bottle underneath my chair and like, hey, don't mess with my man okay if she even breathes in his direction it's over okay that sounds like a threat it's a promise um so anyway we get to carl's package and um lindsay oh andy asks danielle page and lindsay if you had met the carl of today you guys all had some form of a relationship with him if you had met this Carl would things do you think that things would have gone differently Lindsay and Danielle said absolutely yes Paige's response is um my door has never been closed on Carl <laughs> and that will be the first and last time that I relate to Paige during this reunion like the door's always been open girl fuck boy or not so I guess technically the answer is yes but the answer was never no either so then after that, unfortunately, and of course, they pivot to his brother's passing. And, you know, Carl says that it was a wake up call for him and his brother. If he had gone down the same path that his brother had, and there were moments where he could have, things would have gone very differently for him. They clearly, like, don't have anything to ask Sierra. So like about her personal storyline. So what Andy asks her is, you know, Sierra, as an ICU nurse, you've seen a lot of death. So do you have any advice for Carl? And I just feel like this question is weird. Like she was very kind and empathetic to him, but it just felt like, why would you, I don't like, it just felt like a weird question because for what we see, they're not really that close. It was just like, Hey, um, other person who is familiar with death on a day-to-day -day basis, like, what would you have to say? And she, like I said, what she said was very beautiful. It was very nice. Clearly, Carl was touched by it, but I just felt like the way they handled 
Carl's death. And I'm taking this also with the knowledge of seeing Carl on Watch What Happens like maybe a month or so ago, where Andy asked what I felt, in my opinion, were like very kind of odd questions. And by odd, I mean, it just felt like he didn't know what to say or whoever's coming up with the questions didn't quite know what to say or how to navigate this. And so they're like trying to find some way, but it just felt weird to me. And as somebody like, you know, my father passed away <clears throat> 10 years ago. Um, I, it, I don't know. It just felt like questions of somebody who really has no experience with death on a personal level, trying to, ask questions, but they just felt kind of, they fell flat for me, you guys. Maybe you guys disagree. Maybe you don't. And I think there were very good intentions. I'm not saying like anybody was trying to be mean to him, but I, I just felt like there were more sensitive ways to handle that. And I don't know what asking Sierra because she's an ICU nurse, like I just didn't really see what it would accomplish, even though what she said was very nice. Lindsay then mentions that um, Captain Lee from Below Deck, who dealt with the um, passing of his own son from an overdose, reached out to Carl, and it was like a very nice moment of saying, you know, we do as Bravo celebrities, as, you know, the talent on those Bravo, like there is a family aspect to us when things happen. And that was really nice. That was really nice. Um so then Andy says, and this is what I thought it was weird. It's like, you know, um, it's kind of ironic that you had done so much work before your brother passed. And, you know, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like Carl says, yeah, I mean, maybe if I had different, been in a different place, like I probably honestly like wouldn't be alive if I had found out the news about my brother. And that's, it's so dark and it's so, damn, it, it just makes me, it makes me really feel for him. And then he goes on to say that in December and January, he had had, he didn't say relapse, but he just said that he had had, he'd gone down a dark path. He had scared a lot of people and Carl came over to his apartment one day. He, excuse me, Kyle went over to Carl's apartment one day and Carl said, I didn't find out until months later that Kyle like knew what was going on with me at that time but he came over to my place and he said he loved me and I was just missing that older male that older bigger brother influence and it meant the world to me that Kyle would say that and Kyle's like a, a brother to me and I just have to say like they both get emotional and there's just something that really hits me in my heart <laughs> when two men are able to be emotionally vulnerable and especially when they're able to share their feelings about each other and be open like that like you guys the greatest love story in the summer house I think is between Kyle and Carl and I stand by that like they really really love each other and it's so sweet and I just love them and I love their love so much and we end on a high note with uh Carl says you know I think uh, excuse me Andy asks Carl what he thinks the biggest difference is between Carl from five years ago and Carl now and he's like well first of all therapy bless and 
Secondly, I've been sober at this point for 92 days. So shout out to you, Carl. Like we love, we stand a, a king of growth and we stand a king of, you know, introspection and grace and we love him. And he just like, he got emotional during that. Like it, you could tell there were points where he had like a hard time kind of keeping it together and he was trying to. And I just like, I just adore him. <laughs> Not because I'm horny for him. This is like outside of that. I actually respect him. And it seems like he has these lovely relationships with the other cast members. So, you know, not with the exception of like Hannah and Paige and Sierra. That like everybody really loves him and they care for him. And I just hope, honestly, like I hope he understands how loved he is. Because it seems like everybody has like a deep love and respect for Carl. And I, I just hope he knows that. I really do. So then uh, we start talking about the fight between Kyle, Carl, and Luke. And Andy asks yet another weird question of like, Sierra, why did you not get in the middle of trying to start their, stop their fight? And also, what does everybody think about your nine o'clock rule of like no men texting me after nine o'clock? And Sierra was like, I wasn't about to get in the middle of them fighting and it's like yeah of course she wasn't like yeah I mean maybe could she could have done something to kind of like keep the levels down but I feel like it at one point it went from Sierra to just Carl and Kyle being pissed off at Luke like at some point it stopped really being about Sierra and it started being about all of them you know so I don't really I'm not going to put the onus on Sierra for not doing more to try and stop that um, so Sierra says, my nine o'clock rule is not a hard rule. And Andy does ask the other women what they think. And they're like, eh, you know, it's not really that important to us. Maybe after midnight or whatever. Sierra says, it's not a rule I have for everybody. However, it was a rule I had for Luke. And I expected him to respect my boundaries when I laid them out. Can't relate. <laughs> And this is a me thing because I have zero boundaries and if, but I, I see what she means. I, I absolutely see what she means. Hannah, of course, is like, okay, it's been 15 minutes and nobody's talked about me. So she decides to insert herself and say, Luke was also texting me at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> okay. What does that have to do with anything? You didn't set a bound. This is a conversation about boundaries. So did you set a boundary with Luke? Because if you didn't, then this has nothing to do with anything. And Sierra should have kept the same energy she had for Lindsay, who said, oh, you know, Luke also texts me at night, too. She should have kept that for, for Hannah, too, because Sierra goes back on Lindsay and is like, OK, well, you didn't hook up with uh, Luke, so it's a different story for you. But it's also like. Hannah didn't really hook up with him either. <laughs> like, I, I understand what she's saying of like, oh, he, well, I mean, I, no, because Luke going into the house, I don't really feel like he was being flirtatious in a way that I feel like, I feel like it was a very different situation for Sierra than it was for both Hannah and Lindsay. I feel like Luke in his mind was not really trying to make anything happen with Hannah any more than he was Lindsay or Paige or Amanda, but he actually was interested in Sierra. 
And so I get that. So I don't really know why she, Sierra, had to go so hard on Lindsay when really Hannah was kind of more in the same boat than, more in the same boat with Lindsay than she was with Sierra, if if that makes sense. Um, Kyle makes a point of, you know, things boiled over with Luke in the house, but it's not like me and Carl are the poster boys for how to treat women. And then Hannah does this like, <laughs> cough sneeze thing that feels very like oh yeah I hear what you're saying and I'm like trying to low-key call you out like I'm a 10 year old and Danielle goes after her immediately and was like what was that about like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> Danielle and um Hannah's like Hannah's like you know I just had to cough <laughs> Danielle's like what the fuck is your problem <laughs> Hannah says what is your problem and Danielle says I have a lot of problems with you I love her oh I love her Andy cuts off Hannah and Danielle which I wish he wouldn't have like I would just like to see a 45 minute unbridled unedited clip of Hannah and Danielle just going after each other I I really would love to see it I would pay three to four ninety nine to watch it which is saying a lot for me that's that's like a high compliment it feels like it's not but it is <laughs> um so andy pivots and says you know carl during the pub crawl you got pretty aggressive and you were displaying behavior that was unbecoming of an amish man and carl says well yeah you know what i was mixing a lot of drinks because i was on rumspringa and that you guys was a funny and quick thing, funnier and quicker than anything Hannah and Des collectively could hope to say in their life. Like, just to make an Amish joke right off the cuff, loved it. Delicious, okay? Um, they are talking about how, listen, that pub crawl, everybody had their signature drink. It It got real hectic, real quick, right? And then Andy brings up, Danielle offering Carl a blowjob. And he says, that is so sweet. Like, I need a friend who would do that. <laughs> um, what do I think about this hand job? I think it's weird. I think it's definitely weirder than getting a PowerPoint from your boyfriend talking about his feelings. I will say that. Um, you know, am I going to do it? No. But it seemed like the whole cast agreed because Andy did ask, would you be willing to take one for the team? in terms of offering up your own partner to give a hand job to somebody if it was going to stop a violent act or some situation and they all agreed they would but there had to be there would have to be a glove involved into the whole situation um i would say if a man needs a hand job to stop himself from being violent um i think maybe we send them straight to therapy but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, we then get a clip package about Danielle and Lindsay and Paige's relationships. Obviously, we know we're uh, two, two and one. Oh, we're one and two. I don't know how sports work. One and two, right? You're supposed to say wins and then losses. Danielle's the winner. Lindsay and Paige, uh, you know, price is right, fail song right but you know um danielle says she's really happy she thinks that robert's the one they've been living together for five months and he's such good friends with the rest of the cast that he will hang out with him even without her around so 
Then we talk about Paige and Perry. And I mean, what do we expect here? Yeah, we all know that Paige doesn't fuck with Perry. I, it's in my opinion that she has really not ever really felt anything for him that would uh, indicate that she needs to continue to be in a relationship with him. I feel like last summer, like two summers ago, when he took, he brought her to the house, she was also kind of like, I don't really want to deal with this guy. And she says a lot, but doesn't say really anything and says, you know, I, he, everything, he's a good on paper guy. Like, I, if you look at all the things that Perry has that he should I should want to be with him but something just didn't feel right something in my gut told me it was not right and then we move on to Lindsay and Stravi oh but I have to talk somebody sent me a message and I think your name is Mercy but you brought up a great point you were listening to uh, the episode that I did with Carrie on Roni, we were trying to figure out who Tinsley should be with. Mercy, you blew my mind by saying that uh, Perry, Perry and Tinsley should maybe think about getting together. I think that is great. I think it's perfect. He, I think he's a little bit younger. I think he you know, is clearly accomplished and he does well for himself. He obviously wants the kids and marriage package, just like Tinsley does. Like universe, Andy Cohen, hear our calls. Let's try and make this happen. I like that. And obviously, you know, I do see some comparisons between Paige and Tinsley. Like, you know, Tinsley's maybe a little bit more unhinged, but she's very girly. She is you know, a fashion girl. She's a woman about town. I see it. I really do. I like that. So shout out to you, Mercy. That was some good shit. That was a really, really good one. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So anyway, Andy asks... Lindsay, what is the deal with you and Stravi right now? And she's like, we're 100% over. What happened to us after we left the house is he did the thing that I specifically told him not to do, which is continue to walk away from the relationship. And he did it repeatedly. And ultimately, I just don't think that our personalities we're meshing. And I agree. I feel like this is a thing that I've been trying to say this whole time about them is that like, 
he's not on her level. And I don't mean that in terms of, like, accomplishments or whatever, but, like, he just seems so, like, such a flop, right? (laughs) He seems like a flop, and it doesn't even seem like they would vibe on, like, humor or fun. (laughs) I don't see it. Like, I see them getting along, but I don't see them having that it factor with each other that connection that undeniable connection that you really have I wasn't even getting like sexual vibes from them and he was hitting it raw and telling her that he wanted to like put babies inside of her and if you can't get a connection off of that then what are we doing here what are we doing so shout out to you Lindsay for realizing like He's not even that cool. So what was I fighting for? You know? Um, So then Andy asks her to explain the PowerPoint. She makes total sense. She says, I was not mad at the PowerPoint because behind the scenes, we were having a bunch of conversations that were just us talking in circles. And I told him to, that he needs to gather his thoughts. And that's why he did the PowerPoint. Makes total sense, you guys. So then Andy says, what was going through your mind? (laughs) And this felt like a shady question that I would ask in the way that he asked it. What was going through your mind when Steven showed up with electric candles and grocery store flowers? And I feel like I asked that specific question in that same way, (laughs) like several weeks ago. And so I really felt that and it tickled the fuck out of me. And... Lindsay says, listen, it wasn't the grand gesture that I wanted, but it was a grand gesture, and I appreciated that. So next we move on to the Instagram psychic of it all, the one who told Hannah that Luke and Lindsay hooked up. Now I have to say that as Summer House fans, like, I know that I said that that was a fucking psycho thing to, like, make such a big deal out of, but I feel like even still, I didn't make as much of a big deal about it as I should have and I regret that because it's really fucking weird (laughs) it's really weird and uncomfortable so then Andy asks Luke why did you react that way because Paige confronted him and said did you sleep with Lindsay I heard about it from a an Instagram psychic why instead of just saying no why did you say like where is this coming from Instead of shutting it down. And he was like, honestly, it was just so ridiculous. I was trying to get to the bottom of it. And, of course, Lindsay and Luke both deny that they've ever hooked up. Lindsay says the furthest that she's ever taken it with Luke is just undressing him with her eyes. Same. And Andy then asked Hannah, do you think it's a little shady to spread a rumor based on what a psychic texted you? Because it seems like a bit of a stretch, right? So Hannah says, well, you know... Looking looking back, I just wanted to stir shit up. But, you know, that psychic does work with a lot of celebrities and important people. And, you know, I just thought it would be a joke between me and Paige. And... <sighs> okay, so what is it? Did you want to stir shit up? Is that psychic an actual legitimate psychic? Or was it just a joke? Was it just another one of your jokes that you're saying, Oh, nobody should have taken me seriously. It can't be all those three. <laughs> it can't be you were trying to stir shit up. You really should have just ended the sentence at that. Because that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're like, 
who cares if the psychic is legitimate in your eyes or not? Who cares if the psychic works with other celebrities and important people? What they said was bullshit. And you're going to take that and run. You were so giddy to turn that into something like, oh, she was so mad that she couldn't get under Luke's skin the way she wanted to. And so now she's going to stir something else up. And we're saying that you were friends with Lindsay and you respect her and blah, blah, blah. But you did not respect her at all when you spread this thing that was supposed to be a joke. And don't tell me for one second that you thought, oh, it was just going to be a funny thing between Paige and I and Amanda and that it was going to end there. Like, no, because you knew that Paige was going to tell them because she told you. And also Paige in that flashback says, this means that Lindsay would have cheated on Steven. More on that later. So Kyle says, you know, we all watched how this went down and Lindsay says, not everything is a joke, Hannah. Thank you. Paige says it wasn't malicious. Again, she's like, truly the Sarah Huckabee Sanders of to Hannah's Trump. Just trying to, like, pl- play down all of this damaging shit. Like, oh, we were just laughing. You know, he didn't say that you should really drink bleach. That was a joke. No, it wasn't. And we all know it wasn't. <laughs> right? And so Lindsay points to Paige and says, you literally said that I cheated on Steven. And Paige says, we we didn't know the timeline, the specific timeline. And, you know, the psychic didn't say when it happened. So who knows? Like, nobody was saying it maliciously. But like I said, when we saw that clip package, Paige was like, oh my God. If she did this, then she definitely cheated on Steven. So Danielle tries to cut in and Paige gives her like the hand and says, I'm not talking to you right now. And Danielle says, well, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Woo! I'm like, (laughs) like Sheree in that gif. Just like, like, I'm alive right now. The hills are alive with the sounds of drama. And I hear its call, okay? Um, Paige gives Danielle the hand again and says, shut the fuck up. And then Paige says to Danielle, are you done? And Danielle says, I'm done now. You can speak. And then Paige looks over and says, fuck you, Danielle. Fuck you, Danielle. (laughs) And Danielle says, Paige, fuck you. Don't ever talk about her like that. Like, honestly, what you call gossip is literal shit talk and it's not fucking cool. Thank you. I could clap for the end of my days for Danielle and I love it. That's a good friend. That is a good friend. And speaking of Danielle being a good friend, I have to cut to... This uh, Bravo chat room clip that went around about uh, Giselle and Portia asking uh, Hannah about Danielle and Danielle and Hannah's friendship. And so Hannah, what she says, and you guys can find this on my Instagram at everyone's business but mine, is that basically Hannah says that like she didn't want to have drama this summer. <laughs> Okay. So she didn't want to have drama this summer. And so she didn't want to out the fact that Danielle had tried to have sex with Luke. And, you know, if she was really a good friend, like she says she is, then why would she do that to me? Flag on the play. 
flag on the play. First of all, first, okay. First of all, first of all, Hannah says to Giselle, between you and me on a show, can somebody just explain to Hannah how television works? Like, do you understand how microphones work? Do you understand how recording works? Do you understand you can't say between you and me on a nationally televised talk show and expect it to stay there? It is wild to me that she thinks that she can feign this sort of privacy. <laughs> you signed a contract, girl. Where did you think this footage was going? What is happening here? So, for okay, so secondly, we all know that Danielle and Luke kissed. This was explained to us within the first 20 minutes of this premiere of the season. We all know that Lindsay had a New Year's Eve party, that she did not invite Hannah, that Luke went anyway, that Hannah then said, he's practically my boyfriend. And they're like, yet he left your ass on New Year's Eve. And that at that party, Danielle kissed Luke. And he said, I, am, I still have feelings for my ex-girlfriend. Not for you, Hannah. For my ex-girlfriend. And that that's where things ended. So I find it hard to believe that some, at some, for that to be true, for what Hannah said to be true, would mean that Danielle tried to kiss Luke and then later tried to sleep with him even after he said he still had feelings for his ex. I don't believe that. (laughs) Because I feel like Danielle said... He turned me down and it was pretty embarrassing. So I really don't think she would try to uh, double back and try and get even more physical with Luke. I don't believe that. But secondly, this can't be between you and Giselle or you and Giselle and Portia when this has already been addressed. And you know that, Hannah, because (laughs) the season premiere happened months ago. We didn't forget that this happened. It was like a pretty main point of the first episode. We all remember. So like, she just says whatever the fuck comes out of her mouth and whatever is more convenient. And she, her trying to act like she was the bigger person by not addressing it because she and Danielle were friends. Were they? Where's the footage of that? Because I don't see it. I don't really see how everybody went to a New Year's party except for you, girl. And Danielle and Lindsay are best friends. And you weren't there because you weren't invited. So I don't really think there was some grand friendship happening at any point. Ever. So anyway, Andy redirects back to Lindsay and says, When you were confronted with this rumor that you and Luke had sex... You said to the girls, you know who the fuck I am. What did you mean by that? Lindsay says, I'm a really loyal person and it's actually a problem because I'm loyal to a fault and I probably should not be so loyal. And if somebody is accusing me of hooking up with Luke, I've only known him basically like 
the entirety of my relationship with Shravi and the entirety of me, my friendship with Luke kind of overlaps. So the only way I would have been able to hook up with Luke is if I cheated on Shravi. And let me tell you guys, uh, even if my boyfriend's a fucking loser, I still won't cheat on him. <laughs> and I love that. Let's, let's get in a little shade to Shravi, calling him a loser, which he is. And also let these bitches know who you are. I do think it's interesting that they didn't really uh, try to, they didn't really catch Amanda for this because she was part of it too. Like she said she fully believed that that was the case, that she, that Lindsay and Luke hooked up, but Amanda really uh, got away scot-free on that one. She really did. (laughs) Anyway, finally, we have to talk about the most cursed timeline of Hannah and her relationship with Dez. And Andy points out that they got engaged after six months. And Hannah, I guess, is trying to make a joke? Question mark? I I guess this was a joke. She's like, you know, uh, quarantine years are the equivalent to dog years. And like, uh, you should do the math, I guess. But you guys haven't even been together a year. So wouldn't... I mean, the quarantine has barely hit a year at this point. So that technically wouldn't even... It's not even a joke that makes sense on like a technical level, but you know, I guess, you know, I I feel like if if Hannah can't steal a joke, which she did just even the other day on her Twitter, I saw she made some joke about like, um, the sexual tension between me and anybody remotely my age, if I see them out in the wild, which is already like a viral tweet from like a month ago where a girl said, Oh, the sexual tension between me and anybody remotely my age at the airport. So she just changed airport to anywhere. Okay. Um, if we're not getting stolen jokes, this is this is what we get, guys. Th- these are the jokes that are happening when she can't steal them from other people. Um, anyway, so Andy asks, like, what is the difference in your relationship with Dez compared to your other ones. And uh, Hannah tries to make another jab at Luke and says, you know, like I'm pretty emotionally closed off. And you know, that's why I act like the cool girl who just wants to fuck models. Okay. But you know, we were having four hour talks and he really showed up for me. And you know, he said that he's all in on this relationship and blah, blah, blah. Like he was just a better man. He showed up for me. And then she says that their age gap is 15 years. Fine. And she's like, you know, ladies, if you guys are trying to date guys in your 30s, and maybe you should try guys in your 40s. And, you know, from my mouth to y'all's ears, uh, that doesn't work either. Okay? Doesn't work either. Anyway, um, Andy asks Sierra if she feels like Dez was a rebound from Luke. And Sierra says, honestly, I didn't even think about that. I've never considered that. It's like, how is that? Okay. Okay. You know, whatever, Sierra. Um... She's like, you know, within the first couple of nights, she was FaceTiming Des, and I was just interested in who he was, because apparently Hannah and Sierra have the same type, which is terrible, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, So Amanda says, you know, like, I feel like a lot of relationships are rebound. Like, I was dating a guy before I dated Kyle, and Carl says, you could say that, you know, uh, Stravi was a rebound from me, you know? Um, Lord. So then Andy asks everybody what their first impression of Des was. 
And Sierra says, oh, I love him. You know, and I was a part of a lot of their FaceTimes, you know, not the sex ones, but I was a part of a lot of the other ones. And then Sierra says that Des and Hannah were joking about doing a swirl with Sierra. Now, at first that went over my head because I'm thinking, okay, threesome, right? But Sierra's black. We all know that, right? <laughs> We're all aware that Sierra's black, right? And Hannah and Des are white. So when you're saying swirl, when it comes to like sex and dating, that denotes a racial component. Ew. Yuck. Get out, girl. They're sitting there making jokes about like you swirling with their white skin. Like, yuck. Yuck. So then, and you guys, you guys can just look back at the weird things that, I'm not going to say weird, the racist things that Dez has said about um, people in the past. In particular, he dated a woman, a Chinese woman, who I guess he had like years ago had lived in China because comedy, I guess, and he started dating this woman and then they ended up getting engaged. And then he did a radio interview in which he starts talking about like kind of, let me, let me look up what he said. Okay. So this is an article from 2015. He met a woman named Jin Lee after appearing on the Chinese version of take me out, which I guess is a European show or an Irish show. I don't know. Um, she, at the time, was currently staying with him in Ireland, her first time away from home. So he does an interview with this lady named Catherine Thomas. And Catherine asks Des what their long-term plan is between Jen and Des. And he says, they simply don't have one. He goes on to say, it might not work out, he admitted. I didn't think we would make it through the summer, truth be told. And then Catherine asks... Is she listening? And Des replies, well, she can't speak English. It's no problem. We can say what we want. And then he went on to say that although the pair, quote, get on great, it's not an easy relationship. Um, he says, you know, she's an actress and there's not a, lurk, a lot of work for a Chinese actress who can't speak English in Ireland. And then he says that maybe she could go for a role of a character that I'm not familiar with uh, on the show called Plow the Stars. He says she could be Rosie, but instead of trying to get F Fluther into bed, she could just give him hand jobs. Can I say that on radio? And then Catherine says, you just have. And then Des says, massages, I mean. Ah, the Chinese one gives a good old massage. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, and you want to marry this guy. The fetishism. Oh my God. Like, that was even worse than I remembered. The Chinese one gives good. Who? Who? Who says shit like that? I have to imagine that Hannah knows this. 
And I have to imagine that she thinks that she is going to be shielded from this somehow because they are the same race. And I'm here to tell you that based on what he said about the woman that he's in a relationship with and your black friend, um, that he doesn't like women, he doesn't respect women, and if you think that this is going to protect, your whiteness is going to protect you from the fact that he is a misogynist, (laughs) you got another (laughs) baby baby girl i mean that should be enough if i dated a guy and found out that he was making chinese massage and hand job jokes like ew 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 (laughs) and one more time ew okay Let me move on before I just, like, completely go off on this, like, fucking Q-tip of a man. (sighs) Okay, so Annie turns the page and asks what she thinks about the relationship. And I felt like she was trying to be nice, but she also told on herself by saying, you know, I think they're really great together because, you know, I think really falling in love is finding a person who compliments your weirdness. And they're really weird together. Not really a compliment. <laughs> um, so then Andy asks Luke what he thinks. And he says, you know, when Des told me when he came into the house that I came as advertised, that I kind of thought that was a little bit arrogant. And I told Stravi, I had a conversation with Stravi, and I told him, you know, as long as Hannah's happy and not bothering me, I'm all for it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so then Andy asks Kyle... And he says, you know, having somebody come to the house that actually makes Hannah smile was like an amazing change of pace. And so I'm all for it, too. And then Andy points out, you know, how Kyle and Des look alike. And Kyle says, do I think that Hannah has wanted to fuck me this whole time? No, but I absolutely do think this is pretty hilarious. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so then Andy asks about the timeline of Des and Hannah's relationship. And Hannah says... We met in July. We went on three to four dates, which I feel like is not what they said on the show. I feel like they said they only went on two dates, but okay. Now they've gone on three to four dates and they were in the position of, okay, you're going to go into this house and I hope we can pick things up when you get back. And so Andy says, well, I think people were confused. And Hannah says, she cuts him off and says, well, yeah, because people thought, people thought I was obsessed with Luke. And Luke says, well, that's what I thought. (laughs) And Andy says, well, yeah, I mean, it seemed that way. It definitely seemed like you were obsessed with Luke. And so then Luke cuts in. (laughs) Y'all, this shit was so funny. (laughs) Luke cuts in and says, I just want to say something. Like if Hannah was seeing Des and apparently seeing me, I just want to say thanks for dragging me through the mud because I had a really hard time this summer because of that. So thank you. So Lindsay then turns to Hannah and says, can we just acknowledge and take a little bit of responsibility for leading people to believe that Luke was leading you on when you had a whole thing going on with somebody else longer than three weeks before you entered in the house. Now Hannah says, well, I was just excited to see a guy in the house and, you know, Luke and I had this flirtatious relationship and, you know, I asked, you know, he asked me to come to Minnesota and then they show a flashback to the summer before where Luke does invite her to go to Minnesota. And so now, now we've said it, right? Now we've said it. 
she met this guy, was talking to him, was talking to other people on top of Des, all things that are fine to do. The issue is you enter the house thinking you were going to get that old thing back. It didn't happen. And then you blamed it all on him having another thing with Sierra. Would it be incredibly jarring to think that you were going to do one thing and then find this like smoke show entering the house? Yeah. But the problem is you had other cooks in your kitchen. So you can be mad that he didn't tell you that she invited, he invited this chick into the house, but you can't be mad at him for having other things going on when you also had other things going on, girl. That isn't how it works. Then Hannah says that she was upset that she had a person in her life, Luke, who confused her. So you may as well just say, like, I'm not going to admit to my end of things. Like, I'm not going to take any responsibility for the fact that, like, I freaked the fuck out. And instead of saying, like, yeah, what I did was embarrassing, you're just going to continue to make this Luke's issue. So then we had this bomb drop tease to us last week. (laughs) And then Luke finally drops this bomb that we'd all been waiting for. And he says... I just want to bring up the Minnesota thing and I'm going to break the fourth wall and I apologize, but this is something that I have to clear up. I was produced and asked to ask Hannah to come to Minnesota and I should have never asked you that. I should have said no. Andy and Carl say, that's not true. (laughs) And then Hannah gets up and says, that's the most fucked up thing. Like that really fucks with somebody's emotions. (laughs) And she goes backstage. Is it the most fucked up thing? Or is it just the most fucked up thing because it happened to you? Like, it, listen, hurts. Hurts donut, right? I, I would feel very badly if somebody said the only reason why I invited you somewhere is because people asked me. That's like, the only reason why I invited you to prom is because it was a bet. You know, it's kind of like the equivalent to that. Does not feel good. Does not feel good. I, at first I was like, okay, Andy immediately said that that wasn't true. But then I feel like Andy kind of admits that there wasn't really a way that he could have concretely known that it wasn't from encouragement on behalf of producers. So Andy says, Luke, I don't believe you because you were telling producers after you wrapped last season or that season that you were trying to find dates to go. So you really were like trying to follow through with it. I mean, when you invite somebody somewhere and you say like, oh yeah, I'm trying to, but I mean, at the end of the day, she didn't go, you know, (laughs) at the end of the day, there really wasn't like a formal, let's try and hammer down dates to figure it out. And I get what he's saying of you talk to other people about um, her coming, but he didn't talk to her. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm 50 50 on whether or not. <sighs> I don't think Luke said it right. I don't think he was saying 
what he meant to in the correct way. That's my truth. I... I would imagine that, like, he said it. He talked to people on production because what we see later is very clear that, like, he has a relationship with people on production on a friendship level. That they probably had this conversation and that they probably encouraged him. Do I think that they, like, said, oh, Luke, you should ask her to go? No. Do I think that they probably were like, oh, yeah, you guys should go. Like, an encouragement in that way. And then he was like, uh, I probably really shouldn't do this because I'm not, this means, this would mean more to her than I'm trying to put on the situation. Yes. I do believe it in that sense. So Luke says, you know, I'm not trying to be the bad guy. I feel sorry for her and I want to apologize to Hannah. So he gets up to find her backstage. On stage, Paige says, that would be like if Kyle said to Amanda that he didn't actually want to propose to her on that boat because, and production made him. Mm, not really. <laughs> because um, Amanda and Kyle were in a relationship. Luke and Hannah never were. Okay. Um, so backstage, Hannah's still not crying, but pretending to. And she says, you know, that was the meanest thing I think a guy has ever said to me. And so production's talking to Luke and he says, you wanted her to come, but it wasn't right to ha- the right time to ask her. Like, is that what you're trying to say? And Luke says, yes. Because Hannah was one of my best friends. Like, of course I would have invited her to come up to Minnesota, but I would have asked Lindsay to come. I would have asked you guys to come up to Minnesota. It just wasn't the right time for me to ask her that. And so Amanda goes over to the couch with Sierra and Paige and she says, yeah, that was fucked. <laughs> Paige says, Luke's not innocent. And Sierra says, yeah, and he really is acting like he is. Fair. Uh, well, mm, I don't think Luke is trying to act like he's innocent. I think he's, what do I think? I think Luke is in over his head. <laughs> I think that Luke doesn't deny the fact that, like, he probably definitely encouraged Hannah in ways that he should not have because he was never going to take it to the level that she wanted, whatever level that might be. But I don't think he's acting like he's completely innocent and, like, his hands are clean. I don't think that either. Um, so then Luke finds Hannah backstage and she tries to say like, I don't want to talk to you right now. But Luke was like, no, I want to apologize to you. So Hannah says to him, you were the only one I trusted. You were the person who had my back in this group. And now I'm getting yelled at by everyone and you're part of it. And it breaks my heart. Again, you got to let people talk. You have to let liars talk, you know, and let them tell you. Just let them talk and eventually they will say what really is going on in their mind as they're trying to like clean it up and make themselves a victim, right? What she wanted was to be able to beat on Luke, beat on Luke, beat on Luke, make herself the end of someone and just let him take it and take no responsibility for her actions in their relationship and you know, everybody's beating up on her, (laughs) holding you accountable. And she didn't want Luke to also be the one to hold her accountable. And not only did he not, not only did he try to hold her accountable, he also tried to say, you know, he think, I mean, she's gotta let this go. (laughs) 
he's just not that into you. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. And, like, it never feels good to hear a guy say that, like, they really aren't that into you. And maybe the things that you thought or the things that you thought you felt or the things that you thought he felt were not actually the case. I get it. It hurts. I get that. It's embarrassing. I get that you put your eggs in a basket, a very hot, sexy basket with like a bunch of chunky gold rings in it, and all your eggs are cracked and not in the way that you wanted them to, you know? Um, I get that. But also, I really don't know if it's really that deep for her. I think she just is like another person is trying to hold me accountable, and it was the one that I thought would just be fine with being thrown under the bus and that's not happening <sighs> so Luke says you know you I went I don't know if you're aware but I went through a lot last summer and I don't think you're aware of that we can talk about that later but I want to apologize to you right now because what I said was very hurtful they hug they go back on stage Andy asks if everything's good between them. And he says, you know, sometimes I don't think before I speak and I hurt her and I want to apologize. And so he apologizes again to Hannah in front of everybody. And then Hannah, Andy asks Hannah if she accepts his apology. And she's kind of like, mm, you know, mm, like I hear him, but not really. Um, so then Andy changes the subject back to Des and Hannah having sex on Kyle and Amanda's bathroom. Um, Andy asks, was the decision to hook up in Kyle and Amanda's bathroom driven by passion or was it spite? And I'm doing the Oprah thing. Were you silenced? <laughs> were you silent or were you silenced? <laughs> was it passion or was it spite? And Hannah says, you know, I think there's a really thin line between passion and spite. And Andy says, do you? I don't. <laughs> I don't either. A thin line between past. What the fuck are you guys doing? What is going on in your weird sex life with Des? Like, they're literally getting off on hating other people. And it didn't occur to me until just then that you think that it's normal for there to be a thin line between sexual passion for your partner that you love and trying to fuck with other people? That's weird. I'd tell you to, you know, use your better help code, but I guess you can't because <laughs> you lost your sponsorship. Anyway, um, Lindsay cuts in and says, I don't believe that at all. I'm very passionate. And Hannah says, yeah, but you're also spiteful. And Lindsay says, yeah. And there's a big difference between that. And Hannah says, you know, looking back, it was a dis disrespectful thing to do. Amanda says, you know, it would be one thing if you told me what you did and I'd just be like, gross. But what you decided to do was keep it a secret, laugh about it behind my back, and then ask people who I'm also friends with to keep it from me. That's what's disrespectful. And Hannah says, well, honestly, like, I hope that you guys wouldn't know and then you wouldn't get mad. And again, now we've said it. That is Hannah's entire M.O., I'm hoping that I can just spread a world of destruction, do whatever the fuck I want, and people that I perceive to have done me wrong, and just be evil to them, and they're not going to find out, and that way they're not going to get mad at me and hold me accountable for the shit that I do to them. That's what she wants. It's weird. Ugh, it's weird. 
Um, so Kyle says, how did you think we wouldn't know? The whole house has surveillance, Hannah. <laughs> and Amanda says, you did that intentionally with the sole purpose to hurt us. Hannah says, you know, it was literally just like a little fun thing. And it was a joke. If, that jo- if I hear the joke, it's a four letter word for Hannah. If, so- if Hannah Burner says that what she did to you was a joke, know that what she did to you was a di- directly disrespectful action that she did intentionally and that she meant to hurt you. Joke is a four letter word. So Danielle asks Amanda and Kyle, how do you guys feel about that now? Like she, now she's making a joke out of it, like literally right now. And Hannah says, you know, it, it was a bathroom. People like shit and pee in there. And Amanda says, yeah, but it was my bathroom. And it was my counter where I put my toothbrush. I have my cup of coffee in the morning. And Hannah says, well, we didn't touch any of your toothbrushes. Like, I promise. Like, girl, not the point, you idiot. Not the point. So Carl says, you guys think that you'll get away with stuff because you guys are comedians in air quotes. (laughs) (laughs) Because you guys are comedians. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. Like, you guys are comedians. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> All right, okay. Can I get it together? I, I can't say comedians again because it'll make me laugh. <laughs> you guys are comedians, but it's not funny. It's bullshit. So Amanda says... Hold yourself accountable for what you did and how fucked up it was. And Hannah starts laughing. Like, she is amused by the fact that Amanda's pissed off because she got what she wanted. She got what she wanted. Hannah again says, you know, you guys had an amazing bathroom. And at the time, like, I thought it was funny. But looking back, it was super disrespectful. But, like, she's not sorry at all. She's not sorry. Andy brings up the fact that Dez asked her, like, oh, should I jerk off on Kyle and Amanda's bed? And says, you know, obviously the reason why Dez said that is because of the things that you told him about them. And Hannah's like, well, yeah, because, you know, I would call him at night, at the end of the night, and, you know, tell him that I got into another fight with Kyle, and he's coming for me, and A, B, C, D, E, and, you know, I yelled this at them and him and he wasn't there to defend me and I just think like Des was kind of upset about that when he showed up (laughs) like why would you do that like she the reason why she likes Des so much is because she is able to dump on him create herself as a victim he allows her to do that and then he gets on her level which is the lower level The lower level. The lowest level possible. He encourages her shitty behavior. He doesn't hold her to account for anything she does. She's like, oh, babe, uh, show me your tit and tell me about how you're a victim to this whole house and how Kyle's mean to you. Tell me about that. And then I'll talk about you spreading my seed all over their, you know, West Elm bedding. He encourages her. That's the only reason why she likes him is that he encourages her shitty behavior and he thinks that shit is cute. And you know how long he's going to think that's cute for? About nine more months. Tops. So congratulations on that. Um, 
so as she's talking, Kyle says, am I really coming for you? <laughs> and then Kyle says, you know, Des came into the house. He shook my hand and we laughed and we were respectful to each other. Like, do you understand how fucked up it is that he did all of that? And Hannah says, it's probably one of the worst things I've ever done. It's just like, no, not remorse, just matter-of-factly. Like, yeah, it was probably one of the worst things I've ever done. Like, yeah, okay. But, but like, are you sorry? No. Okay. Um, so then Andy asks a viewer question and says, you know, Hannah, you got engaged on Valentine's Day. So who did you tell that you got engaged? Hannah says she didn't tell anybody except for family, but she was on Instagram Live or posted an Instagram story or something showed her hand that had the ring, her ring finger, and Paige called her and was like, what the hell's going on? So she's like, well, I couldn't lie to her. And then the next day she said she had like a four-hour thing with Sierra and she told her and she was like, you know, I guess I was just afraid that if I told people, told other people, like meaning other people in the cast, that it would get around really fast. So what she did was tell people. Magazine. She told, she did an exclusive Instagram story for People Magazine. So then Amanda says, you know, she and Hannah had a conversation a few days after Hannah never brought it up. And Kyle says, you let her find out about your engagement through people, a people exclusive on Instagram. So let's talk about the timeline because they didn't really break it down. But at the end of the day, it just means that Hannah's a liar and she's bullshit and she's spiteful to Amanda. Um, she gets engaged on Valentine's Day. Amanda and Hannah have a phone conversation. At that point, Hannah never brings up the fact that she was engaged. Didn't tell her. Amanda finds out through a People um, Instagram exclusive. And at that point, Andy turns to Amanda and says, you know, I think that would hurt your friendship. And Amanda says, what friendship? She's like, I was so excited when I found out, but it was also hard to know that Hannah hid it from me. And so after the exclusive comes out, Amanda calls Hannah again. Hannah says, I'm at the DMV. I'll call you back. Fine. Right. But then three days later, Hannah does an interview and says, oh, um, the only person who didn't congratulate me was Kyle. Now, she's trying to paint the picture of Kyle was just like, like everybody knew, she told everybody, and that the only person who, like, if I read that, I would think, okay, she told everybody individually, or there was a group chat or something like that, and that Kyle's spiteful ass was the only person who could not um, get up the nerve to congratulate her. That's what you would think if you read the article. Let me tell you, let me read some of this People article. So she got engaged, like I said, 2-14, and this came out March 3rd. She starts talking about how Des proposed to her, blah, 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 I don't care. She says, he's just kneeling on the side, he pulls out the ring, and I think I just made weird crying noises. Uh, we're all familiar with that because that's exactly what she did all of this uh, reunion. So a couple days later, she's on Bravo chat room and says, I got congratulations from everyone except like Kyle, 
was radio silent. Not a thing, but I expected that. I mean, he should learn to be happy for other people because I was happy for him. Okay, so let me go back to this timeline. Engaged on the 14th of February. At some point during that time, she tells Paige and Sierra. March 3rd, people exclusive with several pictures. Um, Amanda calls her at this time. Congratulations, I'm so happy for you. Hannah's at the DMV. I'll call you back. Never calls her back, right? During this point, between March 3rd and I guess, let's say, March 6th or 7th, um, Kyle gets upset. He reaches out to Paige and Sierra and says, if you knew this, why didn't you tell Amanda? Paige says, fair enough. Um, It wasn't my place to tell Amanda about Hannah's business. Fair. So... Amanda at this point still has not heard back from Hannah. Hannah never called her back. And then she decides to go on chat room and say that Kyle never congratulated her. So she tries to paint the picture of the reason why she never called Amanda back was because she had heard that Kyle had gone ballistic in her words. Um, that she got a text from Paige saying that Kyle had gone ballistic on them. And, Hannah says at that point, after she found out about Kyle talking to Paige and Sierra, she texted Amanda and said, oh, I heard that Kyle's going crazy and I just don't want to be involved in that. So Kyle says, the reason why I got mad is because I got a Google alert from you doing Bravo chat room saying that you told everybody that I'm the only one that didn't congratulate you. (laughs) Kyle says, the timeline's so fucked up. And again, it's like her telling very selective pieces of the story in order to make not only herself look like the victim, but also Kyle look like the monster. And it's weird. It's weird. Like, should Kyle have reached out to Paige and Sierra? No, because Paige is right. Like, it's not her business to tell Hannah's business to anybody. But (laughs) if you get the whole context of the story of Kyle, you know, going probably a little too hard, but, you know, going to defend his woman of, I thought you guys were friends. Why is she finding out through the news that you're engaged? Yeah. I I can understand why he would have gone, he would have been pissed off by that. So Andy says, hold on, Hannah, you said that Kyle didn't congratulate you? And Hannah says, well, yeah, I mean, people asked, did Kyle congratulate you? And I said, no. No, that's not what happened. And then so Andy said, okay, but you put it in the press, but Amanda called you and you didn't call her back. So Kyle's working from the information of Amanda found out through the press that you got engaged, your, to your, you know, your alleged friend got engaged. She tried to reach out to you. You never called her back, which is disrespectful, I would say. Um, and then Kyle was defending his fiance. So Hannah says, well, you know, Amanda, you have to acknowledge that our friendship was great until, you know, my tension started with Kyle. And, you know, I've just never been friends with somebody when I didn't get along with your fiance. And Kyle says, but you lend your friend find out about your engagement through a post. And Hannah says to Kyle... You're a mean person. (laughs) So Kyle gets up again, which I would have also done, and says, you're the fakest person. He pulls out his phone and says, let me, let me just all figure this out together, right? Well, we're all together. 
And he pretty much directs at the page and says, Hannah Burner said, I'm the only one who did not congratulate her. She's a fake friend. That's it. And Paige says, you know, I do think that's fucked up that Hannah didn't tell Amanda. I absolutely did that. I do feel that way, but it's not my place to tell her about Hannah's engagement. <laughs> and then Luke Moser just to Lindsay. Lindsay. <laughs> She's not going to have any friends soon. <laughs> so Andy asks Paige, how are you able to navigate between two best friends? Your two best friends. And also, why do you let Paige... Why, Paige, do you let Hannah get away with so much? And Paige says, you know, it's really hard. And that's why I stayed quiet for a lot of this summer because people are asking me what my opinion is. And like, it's hard to give it because I don't want to look like I'm betraying either of them or being two-faced. So I keep it to myself. Somebody should have asked Paige, what has Amanda done? What has Amanda done to this relationship? Because it feels like to me... The only person who would feel betrayed is Hannah and you know that so you don't want to hold her accountable because you know that she's not capable of taking responsibility so you call it betrayal but really it's bullshit. You should be able to hold your friend accountable without them turning you into a villain. But you know that's not going to happen because you see it happening with Amanda and that's why you didn't say anything. So what she said was like not really the truth. So Andy says, okay, well, I want to know what your thoughts are on Hannah not telling Amanda about the engagement. And Paige says, I think that Hannah should have absolutely told Amanda before the internet found out. And then Hannah says, you know, I think the reason why I didn't tell Amanda was because Amanda didn't ask me to be a bridesmaid. (laughs) So I figured if you're not my best friend, then I'm not yours or whatever. Mm. Uh, You know what I mean? (laughs) So, Let him talk, you guys. Just let him talk. Let him talk. All out of spite for this wedding that you said, oh, 50% of marriages end in divorce and you're trying to fuck up the relationship between Kyle and Amanda. You're acting like, oh, the only reason why Paige got to be a bridesmaid is because she didn't say how she really feels about Kyle. And I'm this warrior of truth. And I'm the one who was a victim and I got punished. The truth is you were doing some tit for tat and you said, oh, if she's not going to let me be a bridesmaid when I don't even fuck with her fiance, then I'm going to, um, you know, Fuck on her bathroom counter and not even tell her that I was... That is not the same. That is not the same. Not being invited to be a bridesmaid is very different from not telling somebody about your engagement at all. Why does she not see that? And I don't even think it says she is like choosing not to see that. Like, I think she is such a narcissist that she is incapable of seeing how her actions don't make sense and they don't align and they don't add up to what she perceives people do to her. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So Amanda says to Hannah, you fucked on my countertop. <laughs> so Hannah then turns to Paige and Paige says, apologize. And Andy says, Paige, why are you telling Hannah to apologize? And Paige says, I just feel like she's not articulating how she really feels. And I just feel like it's gotten to such a place where if Hannah just said, look, I was a fucking asshole. Like, we would be in a different place. And Lindsay says, you know, Hannah, I do feel like you have a lot of remorse, but you don't know how to say it. And Hannah says, you know, I spent a long time trying to figure out Amanda and Kyle and if I really want to be friends with them again. <laughs> and Carl says, when you came in today, was your hope to be doing what you're doing right now? Like, was that your goal? <laughs> because it really doesn't sound like you're being honest and everybody's like, yeah, you're lying, Hannah. Like, you're being fake right now. Like, this is some bullshit. And so Carl then says, when you came in today, like I said, was your hope to do what you were doing right now? And Hannah says, she tries to get Paige to back up the fact that Hannah really did want to make up with Amanda and Kyle. And Carl says, okay, well then mean it. I mean what you're saying. So Hannah says, you know, I feel like over the season, everybody was trying to find negativity with me. And I was overcompensating because I'm not a bad person. And, you know, I just feel like everybody had been coming for me and she points to herself I feel like everybody had been coming for me so I just get defensive and you know I apologize if I hurt you in an attempt to fix my own ego and make myself feel good and then she says that she and Kyle were really good okay and she does hold grudges and she hasn't forgotten a lot of things that Kyle has said and it's been hard and she apologizes for not being able to let go of those things in her head and sometimes when she sees Kyle she just sees a guy who's trying to destroy her and Carl says that's the realest thing you said all day thank you now what he did not say was like um that's a good thing he just said it's honest and I think there is a very important distinction between that. Doesn't really mean that she's trying to take accountability. It just means like finally you're saying whatever it is that you're actually feeling and your motivations behind this. Now, do I think that Carl or excuse me, that Kyle has probably said like weird and fucked up things to Hannah? Yes, but I also feel like it's very evident that we have evidence like concrete on-camera evidence of her hiding her hand and then when Kyle reacts to that the only thing that she remembers is what Kyle said to her and not what she did to get him to that level it doesn't necessarily make it okay for Kyle to do but 
you have a more understanding as to how everything got to shit and why he reacts when you understand what she said. So, do I think that he has said things um, without provocation, just things that were mean to her that weren't the result of her saying mean things or fucked up things to him first? I kind of feel like if that has happened, where is the evidence, you know? (laughs) Like, I feel like Amanda's very good at trying to hold Kyle accountable for the things that he said. And it really just feels like the only thing that I can point to is that he tried to get her to take the trash out and contribute to the cleanliness of the household. So if that's really all she's writing on, then, like, I don't really care. I don't care. So then Andy asks Amanda if she thinks that she can continue a friendship with Hannah if Hannah doesn't get along with Kyle. And Amanda says, I can't continue down this path. Like, fool me once, shame on me, but I'm not going to continue to do this over and over with you, Hannah. I'm done. I really am. And I'm sorry, but I feel like Hannah only looks out for Hannah and I need to look out for me. Hannah says, Amanda, I'm sorry for hurting you. And Amanda shrugs and says, okay. (laughs) I, I mean, it's clear that it's not just Kyle. Like the situation between Hannah and Kyle makes it worse. But at the end of the day, she's seeing that Hannah's just, a shitty person who can't take accountability for anything. And we have all seen that all it takes for Amanda is what she perceives to be a genuine apology. We saw that when Luke had that, his heart to heart at the table with them one night, she was like, I hear you and I see you and I know that you're being genuine and I accept that. And we've had issues, but like, I get where you're coming from and I accept your apology and I want to move forward. Are we going to be best friends? No, but Amanda is a highly forgiving person. If she wasn't, she probably wouldn't be with Kyle. I mean, like, let's be real here. <laughs> um, but what she's not picking up on is a genuine apology. So I, Hannah has clearly done hurtful things to Amanda because she has some in her mind, beef with Kyle because Kyle's just this triggering, awful man to her who's just a monster. And Amanda sees right through it. And that's, like, really embarrassing on Hannah's part that even Amanda is not willing to continue down a relationship or friendship path with you. And it really has not a whole lot to do with Kyle. It has a lot to do with just who you are at your core. And... I'm not going to continue to let you play me because you're a bad person. And at this point you have no uh, desire to redeem yourself. And I love that. I love that Amanda set a boundary for somebody who doesn't deserve it. You know, So Andy says, all right, well, I guess we need to leave it there. So we end the season and out come a bunch of sandwiches and those sandwiches looked really good and I feel like 
we had a missed opportunity. Maybe Robert was busy, but I feel like Robert could have come out with the sandwiches in like a Peter Madrigal kind of way, coming out at the end of Vanderpump with shots or cocktails of some sort. What did they come out with like shrimp cocktail at one <laughs> one season? That was funny. Um, let's talk about what's happened in the aftermath. First of all, um, Paige deleted her Twitter account after the reunion. I wonder why. Okay, we're going to let that slit, sit. And then Hannah issued an apology, if you can even really call it that. Let's talk about that. So we all know at this point that Hannah was making a joke of... Uh, Luke having suicidal ideations on a podcast and she was laughing and saying that she didn't go there and that she was trying to make light of it and saying that she was really just trying to fuck and say like, I'll bring a condom, blah, blah, blah. Right. Terrible. So the people came out in droves and said no more, no mas. Okay. And they reached out to BetterHelp, who was the sponsor of her podcast not Giggly Squad, but her podcast, Burning in Hell, which you'll hear several times in this uh, apology. And they pulled their sponsorship. So days after she loses her sponsorship, she posts, posts, wow, posts on uh, her Instagram a picture that says, it's a tweet of hers that says, depression and anxiety, name a more iconic duo. I'll wait. And then she says, Mental Health Awareness Month, which is this month, is very important to me. I know I've spoken po- publicly about my journey with depression and anxiety before, but when I first started the Burning in Hell podcast uh, over three years ago, I was committed to creating a community devoted to having a candid, inclusive conversation about mental health. I wanted to understand more about what makes us all human at the end of the day, and I wanted to do it with light and humor. I laughed and cried along with all of you over the course of the hundreds of episodes as we talked about eating disorders, grief, panic attacks, sexual assault, body dysmorphia, self-harm, miscarriages, heartbreak, bullying, PTSD, and more. I've recently been made aware of some talk online regarding comments I made on a podcast Two years ago, referencing suicide ideation, and I want to apologize for my insensitive regarding such a serious topic. So, I've recently been made aware of... No. You've recently gotten your bag fumbled. You've been knowing that people have been talking about this for several months at this point. It's... No. Don't act like you were just, just made aware. You were made aware by better health when they pulled your sponsorship, girl. Like... Don't play me. And then by saying, like, I made this comments two years ago is trying to separate you from your actions being like, oh, this happened so long ago. You know, I hate when people do that. Anyway, she says, I consider myself to be a very fierce advocate for mental health awareness. And I understand that I crossed that line to everyone who has brought this to my attention. I want to know that I hear you and I'm sorry. Being candid about my own mental health and hearing from all of you has taught me the importance of acknowledging pain, shame, and struggles. I've experienced my fair share of all three, especially recently, which I feel like... I... Okay. But the one, one of the many things that Birding in Hell... It's another plug. Um, has taught me is that even when we are going through hell, 
It won't last forever. Tough times are intense learning opportunities, and the adversity we face is ultimately makes us stronger. My work in mental health advocacy is so important to me, and I promise to do better. To anyone who's going through a hard time, know that there is help out there and resources that are available for you. And then she gives a uh, number for a crisis support hotline. Okay. So I just feel like if I was apologizing, I probably wouldn't plug my podcast by name twice. I probably wouldn't try to separate how long ago it happened. Um, I would... uh, Say that what I said was completely insensitive and not a joke to be made. I would say that I apologize to Luke personally. But she doesn't mention Luke at all. At all. Um... I would have actually apologized to Luke personally. I wonder if she has, or at least has attempted to. Um, and I would just say, I I would do a lot of things differently. And I feel like several people have their eyes on this. It does not really feel like something that came straight from the horse's mouth. And I am making a joke of that. And I also feel like... Maybe rather than, like, posting a tweet as the crux of your apology to somebody and to the world at large for making fun of suicidal ideation, I would have, I don't know, like, posted a video. I Everything she did, I would have done differently. I really would have. And... It really is not a good look when the only time you discuss it is after you lost money. You know, (laughs) not at any point were you planning on discussing this. And apparently she's been very diligent about deleting comments that are critical of her. And so to say, like, I hear you when you're not letting those comments stand, which you should if you were actually taking accountability for your actions you were instead whitewashing it to make it seem like everybody supported you and that like you're fine. It really feels hard to believe she had months to apologize for this. And had she done that, maybe she wouldn't have lost money and then she wouldn't have to apologize after that. She seems to be taking the saucy um, road to redemption on this. And we all know how I feel about that. So with that, you guys, that is the end of Summer House. I'm so sad. I don't know what I'm going to do. What are any of us going to (laughs) do? Can we get like a shit they didn't show special after? I'm going to miss these guys. I really am. I'm really excited about Winter House, and I'm pretty sure I will be recapping that when it plays. And also, I was hoping that we would just move right into Winter House, you know? But we're not. So, with that, uh, I guess I'll have to figure out what I'm going to recap on Mondays. (laughs) But you guys, thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you guys. You guys have been really nice, but like also really nice specifically about my recapping and my coverage of Summer House and saying like really nice compliments about how you have enjoyed how I've been doing this. So thank you. I hear you and I acknowledge it. So thank you. Um, yeah. Catch you guys later. Bye.